Hi, Lee McCloskey. I'm back. This is Defining Life, Season 1, Episode 5 now. This is Part 2, actually, of Episode 4, technically. Um, Lee McCloskey is best known as an actor, but also as a, a consummate artist and uh, philosopher, and um, he and his wife, Carla, have had salons in their beautiful home in Malibu, California for many years now. I've been uh, blessed to have been uh, in attendance of a lot of your events um, since 2009 and of course they have blossomed and expanded since that time. Uh, we were having a lovely conversation prior to this on the tarot and the archetypes and how it informs life and and how it informs the actor in uh, defining the char one's character. Um, and I'd like to pick up where uh, we were sort of talking before in this crazy time that we're living in, um, you know, uh, a little play on love in the time of coronavirus. <laughs> so um, let's, let's pick up a little bit where... Yeah, um well, this, this is a, an extraordinary time because, as we were talking about, it's, it's forced us to slow down, to stop, to realize there's no further to go. And, and when there is no further to go, we have to ask different questions. And, and we were talking about uh, my tarot and, and why, and also with acting. And, and one of the great keys for me, and, and why I think that what we are doing now is sharing community experience. You know, the different people have different uh, capacities. Like I was watching people creating masks. And so, I'm, you know, in a way, it's bringing people together around, what can I do? And, and part of what I've learned over the years is that what we can do that's most healing is to gather around stories that inspire us, that remind us that our humanity is always facing a plague, a war, an invasion, self-hatred, self-loathing. You know, in other words, there's always something besetting us. And, and... And I think the heroic realization is when we realize that's not what it's about. In a way, those are the waves. Those are the things that force us to learn to navigate the question of, well, why do we go through this? And one of the great helps, and this is why I think many of us love Joseph Campbell and his study of mythology and the hero's journey, is because it gave us all this sense that, wait a minute, my life is the hero's journey. It's different than your life. Your life is the hero's journey. But we all go through these fundamental challenges that are both personal and then the, and they have a great deal to do with trauma. And I've noticed this in terms of we've been going as a culture and as individuals through various degrees of a type of continuing trauma. You know, one trauma after the next, like we talked about the fire here. I realized that that was an enormous mass event. It was a collective trauma. Um, the the pandemic is a collective trauma, meaning it's it was shared by all of us, but from different parts in it. But the question isn't just my part to realize. It's like, no, how is it infecting all of us? And that helps, I really feel like if we can find this, it gives us a key to um, giving ourselves permission to not try and change things, but to really gather back and say, where is my strength? What what do I really value? If it does mean that there's no further to go, if the fire has reached the ocean, meaning we've gone as far as we can with our fury, 
as far as we can with our hatred of what we find at fault with the world or why we're disappointed or why we flail about thinking there's no meaning. You know, when you are on your knees, and, and for me, this is really why I think the artwork for me is so relevant is because the 9-11 relationship here on 2001 of my painted studio emerging, erupting out of me, and I've been working on it even today, is that, that this 20-year this, uh, journey began on 9-11 when the towers collapsed, when, when quite literally the fundamental erections of money and God, these, these false erections of, of I have more than you do, fell. And, and that's why we're really in the aftermath of a great trauma. Lee, haven't we always been faced with those questions? Because the interesting thing is since the beginning of mankind, no matter how far back you go to the Sumerian tablets and prior, you know, mm -hmm. what they're discovering now um, about civilizations that we hadn't really learned about in mm -hmm. school, um, that they each also had their hierarchical uh, systems, the gods, the slaves, the, um, uh, you know, and, 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 and how, they, how they organized and civilized around all of these, um, these um, templates, you know, for mm -hmm. lack of a better word that I can no, think of right now. Yeah. Help me out here. <laughs> no, that's, that's very good because I think that you're getting at something that's become very, because I wanted to know well, why. Why? have we gone through this over and over again? I remember Joseph Campbell on The Power of Myth. He was saying, you know, he said, it's it, it, like the human race is like the lawn, you know, it's the grass, you know, why, why if it keeps being mowed, doesn't it just quit? You know, like every time I get this high, I'm cut off. And yeah, and yeah. the question becomes, okay, why do we, does each civilization, they, you know, I studied with yeah. Ken Wilber for a period of time, mm -hmm. also a great mm -hmm. thinker, te master teacher, written yeah. many books. And um, he has a, 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 a foundation, a, a school called uh, Integral Studies out of Colorado. And he, in his program, Superhuman OS, he is able to take and make it palpable the timeline of history and the different stages of consciousness throughout those timelines, and then the states of consciousness, yes. and um, and really outline, you know, a track or, or multiple tracks to follow that on because that's a big picture. That's a really dense subject, and you actually do something similar with your artwork and the storytelling mm -hmm. that you do, in in a different way, and. Um, you know, they say that we are now in a sixth extinction mm -hmm. and how they've come about that information. And, you know, I don't know if we were extinct before, but mm -hmm. I guess through carbon dating of ice in the right. Antarctic, now we're able to, to have more information about this. But so here we are, we've gotten to a certain place in our evolution and you have to think about, well, are we further along now? Are we less far along or is this an opportunity to take a quantum leap and this is a bigger question this is not just my question in what consciousness is really all about 
I think I think what you're getting at, and this is one of the martial art elements, is that it's actually a shift in direction. To get here in a way was the forward motion of I'm not there yet. You know, I will be myself when I finally arrive, when I finally be that person I think I am in the mirror. And the story is that we've reached the mirror. I mean, there's no further to go on the question of how am I different from And this is where we start to understand why tarot. Tarot means wheel. Mandala means wheel. And why the wheel is this story of the unfoldment, meaning that, like the library, that we unfold across the ages. Like you said about uh, going back to, to the ancient times, that, that when we see in the library that we needed all of these ages, you know, going back to the Sumerian, going back to the Aztec, going back to the Maya, going back to the ancient Egyptian, because essentially we were creating a foundation. Wilbur gets into this, but it's, it's when we see that, that the remembering, as they talk about, of self is what you'd say it's the remembering we have in a library. We, we start to say, oh, I get it. I'm not those books, but those books are human, and I am human, so they're part of my human story. And like a tree, if I remember that, then I realize I'm not isolated, the one that didn't have a part, didn't get it, but actually I see myself as, no, like theater, my character was necessary, and often, as in a play, I don't know why, but when it's put back on the shelf and it's arranged, we think, my God, we have been, been a species that willingly has been born over and over again. And you think of the DNA, this is what the DNA, this is actually what you can look at this scientifically, what the genetic code is revealing right. is that we are encoded with all of these stories, meaning we are woven of a holographic weave. Why this is exciting is that if we think about what's going on now, being driven back home, and there's no further to go, it's actually saying, well, this is actually good news because you are holographic meaning that when you no longer have to get somewhere, like a tree, you finally aren't bending, leaning, not ever really being able to get there, you're standing upright, you're finding your own spine, meaning that this is where I live, these are my problems, these are my loves, this is my small garden. I'm not going to lean over into my neighbor's garden and say, you know what's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's wrong with me, so let me stop having that conversation. I have that fruit, I have this fruit, and it's better yeah, than that fruit. <laughs> exactly, enough of the the things that have leaned us into other people's business. Right. You know, and this standing upright, now think of a totem pole, right? Think of the old obelisk. This is very important because these are symbols of alignment, of the living tree. If you think of the brain, it is the living tree. That's why the tarot, why the mandala is so important. Because it says once you understand you are a fundamental structure and you are holographic, then of course you think you are you because of who you see in the mirror and you have a forward sense of, if I only get there, if I only know those people, I only have that break in the movies, if only that director sees, do you know, in a way, that whole point of, of waiting for the right opportunities, and all the while, you know, as John Lennon said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Right. And, you know, and I think he's completely right. And I think this is what the artist in us, I don't mean the painter, I mean just the part of us that approaches life by stepping into not knowing. The creative being, because that lives in yes. us, and, and, and whether or not you manifest your life as an artist or you're more by the numbers person doesn't mean you don't have artistic qualities within you. It, it is part of our humanness to be well, if you creative. Think, also, if you think of art, art is creation. Art is love. It's the expression of breath. So art stabilizes. It, it, it creates from this devotion. Finally, like an altar, 
something that is permanent, something we can actually see. This is why the reflection of art is so important. Music is so important. Because it gets past this mask that says, oh, I'm an accountant, I'm not that. It says, no, 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 you were a little boy, three, and you were dancing around, and then you got really concerned because somebody made fun of you when you were five. You said, I'm not gonna be like that. I'm not gonna be caught like this anymore. And That's you became armored. You know, and this is why art, you know, people have, they, because they're freed to, by the generosity of it. They're not told you're wrong. The Beatles never told a person, you're misinterpreting me. You know, I, I mean, except maybe Charlie Manson and Helter Skelter, but that's a John yeah. Lennon story. <laughs> or I remember when it was a question between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. You know, you were either one camp or the other, but somehow yeah. they have both sustained themselves simultaneously and they're still being listened to today, just like they were. And, you know, and that's timelessness, right? Timelessness. I can't get no satisfaction. 1963, right. I think. Yeah. But still, you sing it and you go, that comes out of my heart really passionately. <laughs> the man comes on the TV screen. <laughs> is that which connects us yeah. to our heart, whatever the expression is. You know, it has that potential, even if we don't like it in its yes. form. We don't like that kind of music. We don't like this kind of art. Whatever it is that we do like has the potential to connect us to something that is greater than ourselves. And that's why this this process of bite-sizing everything dumbing it down flash cutting it is such a disservice because you realize it's a bit like you know how did you get to Carnegie hall practice 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 discipline there's no such thing as a lazy artist creating a great work of art that's what dolly said and it's true it's like a passionate love affair with your beloved it doesn't happen for you it happens because of you you know it's showing up it's not waiting for, and I think this is what, the underlying thing of what's going on now is we're leaving what we think of, and we talked about what's the age of Pisces? What is this Aquarian age? What did the, and I've been fascinated by these questions. And I realized that what this is telling me is that the, the portal that transforms us from the Piscean to the Aquarian is this moment when we are all driven home. I was told inwardly by the library itself, because I'm surrounded by all the great artists, and they tell me, Lee, look, my inner voice always says, Lee, look. <laughs> but this, this sense that you think we're mythic or famous, or you go, oh my gosh, think about this life, what was painted. And you said, but you must understand we were always working for authorities. We were always had somebody over our heads. Essentially, our hearts were broken over and over again because the things we really wanted to say, we couldn't because we were busy doing portraits of women that, that were full of frippery and no depth. And we wanted to be creating mythic stories. You know, the artist's soul was always under this dominance of, well, how are you going to make money at it? And how you know, would and it be accepted the, the, Yeah. No, because the original creative spirit, if we think about it, was a love affair with nature. It wasn't to be an artist. It, wasn't, it was to have a relationship that we see in children. Do you know this sense of, I'm just open. I'm not smarter than you. I don't even know what that means. I'm not, you know, I'm not against what you believe. It's like a painter with landscapes. Wow, I wouldn't look at it that way. I'm glad you did. Do you know that this is the honoring? And that's why I talk about the, the mental martial art of the shifting away from an aggressive I and thou to Aikido or, or, or jujitsu, where you say, I'm not going to be against strategy. I'll let you deal with this. I will draw and draw those that are understanding now, that we heal through story, 
that it's never war. That's the redundancy of a bad idea once again. But that's why the archetypes are important because one of the, the symbolical stories to me, and this was very telling, was that when I did General Hospital, I played Damien Smith. Damien Smith was the son of a gangster and he was a rich, very rich real estate developer. And he was very charming and very, very, very snake-like. And I thought, who is this in the outer world? And I thought, who represents everything that, that people think they want? And it was Donald Trump. So I modeled my character after Donald Trump in, in, as Damien Smith which is interesting because that's also the time where I'm working on the tarot. This is why I think a lot of the universe is lighting up. It's more tongue in cheek yeah. because the humor here is I'm also working on Trump's. When you're drawing the tarot archetypes, right. they're called Trump's. So you have 20 ah, Trump's. Interesting, I didn't know that. So, <laughs> so my, I'm the father of a character of a Trump and then I've created 22 Trump's. Now why, so, and I've also, so having played the character, I have a great affinity. I'm not really, a, I kind of understand the worldview, and I understand it as a character because when you look at the tower symbolically, which is the 16th key, right. it's the Trump Tower or the Tower Trump. Wow. Now, why this is fascinating and marvelous, you'd almost think it's a, it's a farce. You know how he's slightly orange? Yes. Well, well, the, the, the tower is ruled by Mars, which is orange. Orange planet. Which, which is the destroyer of worlds, meaning I don't come to bring peace. I will burn down all of your old assumptions and you will rebuild from the ground up. And I think that's why when we see archetypally, and what was interesting to me is the fire that reached my door, which meant it came in Malibu, in Malibu to the ocean, had no further to go, was on two years to the day of the election. And what I learned in the fire was it said, neighbor is so angry with neighbor. Everyone is so angry and that the fire now is the rage that is, we have to turn down the rage. And this, I think the virus is forcing us to say, stop being angry at everyone else. Start turning the fire down. You're hurting your children. You're forgetting what you love. Do you know, and that was what the library tells me now, going to that metaphor. It said, listen, the fury in these books, all of these histories we talk it was the passion of never figuring it out, but always insisting that in spite of the plague, we build the cathedrals, in spite of the, do you know that we were always saying we're not defined by our worst, but by our sense of what is possible. And that's why we're important. And, and, and to just have, uh, you know, add to that, that these, this kind of uh, uh, worldwide pandemic is emblematic of an outcry of the collective consciousness. Yes. It is an outcry of the soul of mankind. Yeah. To yeah. really stop and evaluate the fact that we are blessed to be alive, that yeah. we are blessed to have this life, to have so many of the conveniences I mean, you and I are not speaking from a refugee camp at this moment in Syria. No. no. And we can certainly say we are incredibly blessed that we yeah. were in that place at that time. I mean, I was born in Germany post-World War II, and my mother lived through the entire war and was bombed out three times and suffered mm. from toxic shock syndrome, and it has informed her whole life. Yeah. 
these traumatic experiences. And I remember when I have been so highly critical of her Germanic ways uh, growing up in the U.S., you know, in sunny Southern California, um, that I really didn't know what it was like to have my life threatened on a daily basis. I didn't know what it was like to fear for my life and have to hunker down in bomb shelters. But, you know, since then I've had bullets shot at my ha in my home through my bedroom wall and I've had a gun held to my head. So I've had my own brush with my own mortality, but that's as close as I want to go, hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And I think that brush is what is meant to attenuate awareness. Like that's what the fire taught me was, it's pay attention, be vigilant that the fires are around you. It is not that they will get you, but you must be vigilant. You must do due diligence. You must be the keeper of that which you value. And that's why I think that, you know, because I was told uh, on 9-11, and why it's very intriguing about the art here is that it said the last flood was water. This flood is information. So the story here is, is the arc that's built within the home, meaning that from where we live, we build a story, like a library of the human story. Mm -hmm. So we put it together in a way we can live with it, which is why it's important that I live with my art. Do you know, in other words, if I were just preaching, this would be one thing, but quite literally, I'm sitting on a chair that is a painting of mine. I'm sitting between drawings of mine. I'm sitting underneath a mandala that comes from my painting, Phoenix Arise, in card form. Why this is important, is these are first technologies, meaning they're just paint or ink and story. Like theater, they're creating place for the imagination that says once you're not trying to get away or change, like I have a linoleum floor, and what I like about that, it says that we are battling this linoleum self, meaning I'm only ordinary, I'm just linoleum. And, and why the ground here for this painting is so important is it said that on 9-11, and for me, this was the, and I think this was the trigger. I think this is actually waves of trauma going on since that point. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that as we, because I felt profoundly hated in an irreparable way. I, it was like you, it was that shock of a gun at your head. Like, this is not going to be fixed. This is coming as an ancient dragon. I want to kill you. And as the towers fell, and I saw, as we all did, the people jumping to their deaths. In an instant, we knew it wasn't the false erections of I want more money, I want more God, I have more than you do. But these twin towers, these two towers of Babel, the sense of I have more, I must be more, collapsed because at the end, when you're jumping out of the building, you want your wife, you want to hold your husband, you just want to cradle your kids one more time. You don't want what you thought you wanted. You've been going the wrong direction. Well, you know, and that's why we were brought to our knees. And I feel like that's where the linoleum saying, your ordinariness is your ground. Stop trying to be more than you are. You're beautiful if you trust that in you is something of value. And this is where the creative spirit's important. This is why when I do a class, a Chia painting class, I have people finger paint. I have them become lionesses. And I, I say, feel your body and close the door for God's sake. Don't share it as art because then people will get critical and you'll go. But, but keep it as an intimate relationship that says, I have to let this out of me. And I have to stop thinking I have to do this for someone else. Leo, and I, really I want to add something to the, um, the 9-11 framework because 
I, uh, I had this conversation with a guru that I had been following and practicing with at the time, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, not the musician, but the, but the Indian guru. And in his, in his talks, he talked about how the energetic of greed, which was personified by the United States, certainly we're not the only ones with it, but we were the personification of this energetic of greed got so huge that it it, it 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 drew upon itself so much energy that it blew up. Yeah. And I think that we all knew the entire world stood with us in that moment mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And yet, and there was an opportunity there for great transformation to take place, for a kind of healing to take place. But then we went ahead and embarked on a war with Iraq and we continued, even, yeah. we continued that energetic of warrior having to protect my freedom, my terrain, as though it's something only uh, uh, for us in the United States, that it's not a birthright of every man and, and child and woman living on this planet. You know, they're, you know, you have to think a little beyond. So we had this opportunity, and they do say from a uh, from a Hindu perspective that now we're this this next extinction. The first extinction came from water and flooding and Noah's Ark, and that's in several different tablets. That this next one is fire and a combination of fire and water, and we have right now on this uh, ring of fire that we're part of in California um, and throughout the planet at this time, more volcanic eruptions and more volcanic activity taking place at this time, including Yellowstone, you know, which is acting out. And we had a big earthquake last night um, in the desert, which was based in uh, Anza Borrego Springs. And there are three fault lines converging with the San Andreas fault line. So, you know, we have, the, the physical world reflecting back to us and we have our emotional world reflecting back to us and informing us. So right now I feel we're on the precipice of making a choice. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to stand? And where am I going to hold myself for the duration of time? However much time I have left on this planet, however much time my family, my children, and those that I love have left, Time is precious, and how we hold ourselves and how we are with ourselves means everything to our future survival. And and for me, the good news is that art creation reveals beauty. It reveals things that can't be revealed with words or more formulas or data or figuring it out. Because this is the truth, is that like a, the wildfires, they, they, and the one that was here, it was a monster. I grew up out here, and I've seen lots of fires. This was a sentient entity. This was, this was truly an apocalyptic energy. And this is why there is no time. There's no further to go. And the Maya call it the end of time. What essentially I realized is that, that a year to the day before the fire uh, tornado came to the front door, before that, that in I was in Cambodia a year to the day and, and a, in a killing field. And I was overwhelmed with soul trauma because I said, I could not wrap my mind around this level of evil. There's no philosophical 
way to forgive. It was the heart of darkness. And the heart of darkness rose up and said, this is not yours. That the human story is not the evil. It is in spite of this darkness. It said, look at the smiles of our children. Look at what comes after the fire. Look at the rebuilding. It is not in the extinguishing that one will ultimately be devoured by these things. But in spite of that, and that's why I think that the Bible story of Job is very important, because it's saying, if you make that a very simple story, it says, what the challenge is, is that in spite of everything you've been given, if everything is stripped away, will you still love me? And, and this is one of the things about our life gift. We talked about that, the preciousness of this gift. Will you still love me? Even if the world as you thought you knew is in a state of collapsing, Will you still love me enough to realize that a flower moving from this type of reality to this is not destroyed? It shifts its energies away from contraction and holding on to finally letting go. And as we see above me, mm. blossoming. Beautifully. You see? And, and if we hold on to this, that we are the outcome, we are the technology, we are billions of years old, and that we have been forming a story that humanized itself. In my library, it tells me that the great and ancient Egyptians with the big hats and the hierophantic headdresses mm -hmm. and the elongated heads, quite literally, we had a different physiology that was about alignment. So we built pyramids and we were connected to the stars because like a radio, we wanted to tune in. Right. But we realized uh, that we had to cut that signal off if we were going to become human. We had to create a smaller head. Quite literally, that's what this uh, story is revealing, that, that we changed our physiology so that we couldn't know directly. We, we squared the circle, so to speak. We turned a corner. We slowed down this energy so we would humanize star knowledge, meaning that suddenly the difficulty of our lives, like Beethoven's deafness and, you know, would create the Ninth Symphony, in a sense like Job, in spite of those difficulties, and never being given the gift of, you know why this is happening to you? Do you know, in a sense, just being tormented. That in spite of that, Beethoven says, I will write Ode to Joy. My revenge is not to give in. You know, you're tapping into something, because I, I, I'm kind of mesmerized by the Egyptian hieroglyphs and my understanding of them now versus a long time ago because I've been uh, following a practice of meditation with Dr. Joe Dispenza, a, a neuroscientist. And through neuroscience and quantum physics, we've been able to actually have a deeper understanding of, of the chemistry that our brain creates and how the brain actually functions and how it functions in concert with the heart. That it's really the heart informing the brain and the brain is the signal and it's emoting the signal. And um, that, you know, the Egyptians were so big on painting that eye, the eye of Hora, and the eye of Hora happens to be exactly the way the top of the brainstem is shaped where the pineal gland is located. And that pineal gland excretes, it's like a pine cone with little hair follicles on top of it, uh, or like a, 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 a pineapple, with little hair follicles. And when it is activated through the fluid of the spine, it activates and excretes a kind of chemical. And that chemical is, a, is the same as the hallucinogenic chemical DMT that is in ayahuasca. 
And what's fascinating about that is that it opens up the portal to infinite uh, accessibility to imagination and the fifth dimension, which is something, another topic for another day. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you, as an artist, what's so fascinating about your work, and, and for those of you who are not familiar with Lee's uh, beautiful sanctuary, Oleander, Olander, um, Olander, yes, it's fine. <laughs> um, has a room which um, is painted from top to bottom, the books, the linoleum floor, and is an incredibly uh, in-depth labyrinth into the exploration of what it is to be human, the human soul, and 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 as is your artwork. So um, I just wanted to clarify what we're speaking about when, mm -hmm. when we're talking about your artwork there. And I think probably people can go online and when they go to your YouTube channel, Lee McCloskey probably will see more of your art. Yes. Yeah, if they, if they go to uh, Lee McCloskey, either YouTube channel, uh, I, we were talking about earlier, I've got a series of short videos called Food for Thought. If you put my name and Food for Thought, they come up listed. And like today, it was, you know, like I address really one question in a two to five minute way, because part of the, the thing that we need to do is to remember how to think. You know, we're taught how to have an opinion, how to be for or against. But what we're really trying to do, like today, is this sense of, no, 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 let's, let's actually share. Let's, let's inspire each other. Let's stop critiquing each other and saying you're wrong and having arguments. And only we can do that. And that's why I really feel like the food for thought is very inspiring. And since, you know, everyone is home, it's yeah. a good way to think about something that will get you thinking about things on a, on a bit more deep level. Because many of the considerations of fear, you know, it's almost like, like, if you think about being in very choppy water and you're like, you can't really, you're just, you're just not able to deal with the, the, the anxiety. And a lot of what, what we're trying to do with art, with these conversations, with, with Food for Thought, a lot of the videos I create with, with presentations about like the quest for the grail, the holy grail, or the feminine divine, I, I've tried to talk about things that will give us an opportunity to say, well, if we spend time with these things, I'll be inspired to think about other things than just what is, in a sense, making me very nervous or very, very concerned. And this is why storytellers understood this. It's why shamans, why, you know, why they were always the ones that said, listen, the tribe is always facing very difficult winters, loss of children, you know, unexpected deaths, uh, you know, dying of, of the wise ones. You know, so there's always this ongoing trauma and, and grief, but we always want to be a buoyancy. We want to say, let's give it meaning. Let's, let's say that this happened because of this and this because of this. It doesn't have to be real. It's a, it's a story that creates context because we are the weavers of meaning. You know, this is the, the point is that the human soul is not built for us by others. It is what we are. And, and we're at a point, and this is the library, the DNA, the revelation of my paintings and my tarot, is that it's saying everything has come full circle. We've gone as far as we can go with the outcome of thousands upon thousands of years and cultures and questions, like the spin of an electron that was one question, what does it mean to be human? But that question was so rich, 
it's spun across the ages saying, oh, it means to be Byzantine, oh, it means to be medieval, oh, it means to be French, it means to be African. I mean, you know, and it, it's saying because, and this is the mother element, the feminine element, matter, mater, mother, that's in my hieroglyph of the human soul. Because she says when we return home, we're no longer worshiping the outward, but honoring the inward, meaning that we didn't get here because we're random. We got here because we are divine. And then if we start to honor that part of ourselves, that part of ourselves lights up. And I use an acting example, because you know what it's like when you resist a character thinking, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then she takes a breath and goes, screw it. I'm gonna make a fool out of myself. And at the end you go, wow, I did it because I gave up my fear that I couldn't do it. And to me, that's the artist. The artist isn't a painter, isn't an actor, isn't a performer. That's a, that's a, that's a craft. The artist in us is the relationship we have with the creative spirit. This is, I wanna remind you, you are creation. And if people don't care about what you care about, close the door and stop waiting for them to care about it. You must care about it. If you notice something is missing in the conversation, then bring that which is missing to the conversation. Don't make your conversation about what that is missing. Do you know, and this is where it's an etiquette of energy. It's like any relationship. What can I bring to this? Yeah. And do you see that is maturing us? Do you see from a Piscean parent-child relationship with consciousness? If you are obedient to authority, you will be rewarded. If not, you will be punished. This is patriarchy. It's outward authority. The, the Aquarian is when we are driven home to the bud, meaning I'm only this. But in this moment, and this is what Phoenix Arise proves, my painting, because it, it creates infinite blossoms as we pull back to the heart, to ourself as creation, we become the Phoenix. Hold and holy. This is, I sit in this chair, you sit in that chair. But the truth is, like flowers in a garden, if I finally give into, at least where I live, these things matter. Yes. Then we connect with our roots. Yes. As opposed to waiting with our fists clenched, saying, I'm going to convince my neighbor. You see? Your neighbor doesn't care. Resentment or anger towards yeah. someone who is, you know, volatile or has adverse um uh, energy towards you it, there's what's the point you know yeah. you're never going to win them over unless they uh are willing to uh, to see themselves in a different light you know well i say if you're not interested in art why talk about it exactly. you know why should i be interested in why you're not interested in art why should that be my conversation so you know and, and I, I just find it insane that people think that oh i don't like that should be a conversation i don't care Exactly. <laughs> Why exactly. should I care? Exactly. Why should you care? Be a topic of conversation. What you like and don't like. Well, I, I said it's like so opinion. Why, why don't we find what we both can share about you know yeah. what we each like? I mean, it's so much more interesting. So sadly, we are again at the end <laughs> of our time because I just could drink up everything about the conversation for myself, you know, and uh, it's it's always delightful. Please share where one might be able to get a book of the tarot yes uh, on your website is that yeah, what would yeah my website lee mccloskey l-e-i-g-h mccloskey m-c-c-l-o-s-k-e-y dot com also my uh wikipedia page is finally very good it has a lot of resource a lot of the articles that have been written it was 
finally done professionally. Um, uh, <laughs> thank you, Andre. Um, and, uh, but it's a good resource. And then on Amazon, if you Google my name with tarot, it'll come up. You'll see the drawings. You'll see, or Google my name with art or with Thoth's library, T-H-O-T-H-S, or the Hieroglyph of the Human Soul. What's really lovely about the new technology is you really just, at the touch of a button, can explore these different things. But I'd also say just for an inspiring um, conversation in the background, you might really be interested in some of the, you know, because I really have talked about uh, from my life experience in art and acting, you know, really trying to say it's up to us to cultivate by paying attention to what matters, those things we care about. And I think that a lot of the things that I talk about are things we do care about. And it's a permission to have that conversation. You know, and, and, and for like today, for us to start saying, let's have it with those that care about it and yeah. stop worrying about those that critique it. And we'll start to shift away from being that's, reactive to being coherent. That's exactly what my heart longs to do with this podcast, Defining Lives. It's not about defining someone else's life. It's about presenting uh, various forms of thought, thinkers, artists, actors. Yeah. Uh, you know, people from various parts of life uh, who've managed to uh, develop themselves and have something to share that is of value and uh, to keep the conversation going and be a part of that bigger conversation. So, Lee, thank you once again. I so look forward to speaking again, and I so look forward to having um, the best opportunity to interview Carla, your lovely wife. So Absolutely. Stay tuned for that. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Ava. Beautiful day. Bless you. Same to you.